Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Our text tonight is a compilation of the readings we heard, especially focusing on our gospel reading, the story of Judas' betrayal. It is, as you may have noticed, an election year. And so these days, if we're not hearing every possible detail about the latest developments and the spread of the coronavirus with the name COVID-19, and we're hearing endless reporting, analyzing, and evaluating about what certain politicians are doing or saying. It's a critical time now in the election cycle as the supporters and the campaign teams of the candidates in office and those hoping to take their office all work to create, to massage, to shift or cultivate the image that their candidate projects to the public. Not only has image management become a full-fledged industry projected to generate an income of about $20 billion this year alone, But image management has become science, as experts and researchers study how people think and feel and learn how to influence and often even direct how people respond to an idea or a person. Happens all the time, more than you realize. And when your guy's image is not what it needs to be, well, then it's time for an image makeover. Of course, image makeovers are not limited only to the politicians in the world, but there are times when public figures from sports and entertainment and even business will attempt an image makeover. And they work from time to time. Tiger Woods managed to salvage and remake his image. And last week, we are told that we witnessed with our own eyes and ears the remarkable remaking of Joe Biden from an out-of-the-race has-been to the presumptive Democratic nominee. Extraordinary. With the right effort, with good counsel, wise use of media, and some carefully cultivated sympathy from the public, people can recover from a negative image. Now, image makeovers, though, are nothing new. History is littered with the attempts. Some have been quite extraordinary like the effort to paint Joseph Stalin in a glowing light. It was tried. And of all the attempted image makeovers, though, probably none is more ambitious or quite as important as the attempt to remake the image of Judas Iscariot. See, the image of Judas attracts the attention of a lot of people. Scholars of scripture, students of Jewish history, they're all interested, and so are psychologists and even poets and playwrights. Most of us are probably familiar with some of these attempted remakes, the ones that appear in popular media like movies and books. In these venues, Judas is portrayed sometimes as simply just a little bit too greedy and too money hungry. 
Other times he's depicted as a confused and disillusioned idealist, discouraged by Jesus' way of doing things. Sometimes the remake is sympathetic, and Judas is portrayed as the hero of the Jesus story. He's presented as the man who has the courage necessary to precipitate the confrontation between Jesus and the leaders that will finally settle the question about Jesus and his mission. Good for Judas. Now, it's not surprising that there have been so many attempts to explain the actions of Judas Iscariot. They're all simply the efforts to provide some sort of rationale for his unbelievable treachery. For the most part, we can readily understand the reasons for the actions of all the other characters in the story. The Romans, while they were doing what they always did to people who threatened the peace. Pilate, he was doing what he had to do to quell a riot. And the soldiers, they were doing what they had been trained to do. Even the actions of the Jewish leadership make sense. They were just trying to sustain their own ideas of what was right as they saw it. You may not like what they did, but you can understand what they did and why they did it. They acted true to form and in reasonable and expected ways. But not Judas. Now Judas doesn't add up. We forget that he was one of the twelve. It was a traitor in their midst. And that's why people are so interested in trying to explain, understand, and remake this troubling picture of Judas. It's necessary work because, you see, as the story stands, the part about Judas is simply too unsettling, maybe even a little terrifying. And so we offer explanations and solutions to the problem of Judas. Maybe Judas was just... A bad apple, you know, rotten from the start, and it just took a while for it to show. Or perhaps we speculate that what brought about the sudden change in Judas was the temptation of money, or the lure of power, or some disillusionment. Or maybe we think that Judas was just picked, and it was always in the fix anyway, no big deal. All of these explanations help us to get a handle on Judas. Maybe they don't quite rehabilitate his image, but they do at least make him more understandable and more manageable. And it's important, you see, that we're able to do that because if Judas can't be explained, well, then we have a problem. Because you see, if Judas can't be explained, we're left with a traitor without reason. If we don't have some reason to account for his actions, we're left with one of the 12 most blessed men ever to live, a man who spent two or three years walking, talking, eating, laughing, and learning with Jesus himself, a man hand-picked by Jesus to be one of his closest friends, a man who could ask Jesus anything, anytime he wanted, a man who had been chosen to be an apostle of a faith that would transform the world forever. We've got a man with all of that who suddenly rejects it all, betrays it all, and tries to destroy it all. What's going on? It just doesn't make any sense. And that's the scary part. Think about it. If someone who had all of that 
going for him. If someone like that could still turn traitor and betray his Lord, then what hope do we have? If one of the chosen 12 failed and fell prey to sin and evil, then what makes you think that you're secure? If G- Judas could reject Jesus for no good reason, then what's keeping you from doing the same? No, it will not do to have Judas as a good disciple, chosen and loved by Jesus, who inexplicably, illogically, faithlessly, suddenly goes bad and betrays his Lord. We can't live with that reality because then no one is safe and no one can ever be sure that it won't happen to him. The story of Judas scares us because it offers no explanation. It should shake you to your core because when you see Judas fall, You must realize that what separates you from Judas is nothing. Judas, blessed by God, could still betray God. You, blessed by God, can still betray God. And you do. No, I don't mean that you sell your Lord and your friends for hard cash. Though the reasons for that may have more to do with lack of opportunity than with great integrity or strength of will. God-cursing betrayals are not a daily temptation in our culture right now. Still, you are tempted to other forms of betrayal, and you know it. However it manifests itself, it is a matter of broken trust. Broken trust lies behind or at the bottom of so much of the suffering and hurt that people experience in their lives. You've heard the statistic, one in two marriages will end in divorce. And for Christians, the stats are the same. No marriage ever ends before one or more betrayals have taken place. Infidelity, indifference, apathy, they can all kill a marriage. But these are only symptoms of the betrayal of a spouse, a refusal to invest in and to love the other. Children are betrayed by parents who don't have the time to talk to them, the courage to discipline them, or the commitment to listen to them. And parents are betrayed by children when they mock, neglect, and dishonor those who gave them life and care for them. Betrayal of the other shatters homes, strains work relationships, destroys friendships. And yes, you can even betray your Lord and his truth by remaining silent when you need to speak his truth, by ignoring opportunities to proclaim his gospel when you fear more the opinion of others. These are all acts of betrayal. They all break trust. This is the very nature and definition of sin. Sin is failure to honor God, failure to trust his word and his promise. Sin is broken trust. When trust has been broken, an image makeover is not going to cut it. When trust has been broken, nothing will work to fix it. That's the tragedy of betrayal and broken trust. 
are few experiences more crushing, more debilitating than breaking trust with someone. You stand there before their hurt and searching gaze with nothing to say. What can you say? The deed is done. The sin is reality. It's there. The betrayal is complete, conclusive. There is no excuse. There is no explanation. Apologies ring hollow and do not restore trust. There's nothing left but regret, anguish, and bottomless emptiness. The very life seems to be sucked out of your soul. No, you can't fix broken trust. Break trust and you are faithless. You are not worthy of trust. It's devastating. And you are helpless to do anything about it. When trust is broken, it cannot be repaired. An image makeover will not work. What is needed is an identity makeover. You've got to start from scratch. Trust must be recreated. You've got to be recreated. So that's exactly what God does. He remakes you. He gives you a new identity. He recreates trust. You start over from scratch, a new creation. You see, it's both repulsive and fascinating that Judas ignored the earnest warning and plea from Jesus and committed his act of betrayal with a kiss. You see, in the ancient world, people thought that a kiss was a sort of soul transfer. Breath and soul are the same word. And so a kiss was a sort of soul exchange. A kiss of death, then, was actually a kiss that stole a soul. Judas' kiss was the kiss of death. But the soul that was lost was his own. He sealed the deed, he sealed his fate with a kiss, and his soul was gone. Witness his despair as he flings the 30 pieces of silver back at the priests and as he swings from the end of a rope. You break trust and you lose your soul. You break trust and you die. And so God intervenes. He makes you alive again. He makes you a new soul, a new you. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, breathes into you with the intimacy and tenderness of a kiss, with the nearness of water on your forehead and bread and wine on your tongue and in your stomach. He breathes his breath into you and you are alive again. More than that, you are brand new, a new creation, a new identity, a new you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He remakes what sin destroys. He gives life to those who are empty and dead inside. Betrayers become God's children. Those guilty of broken trust are forgiven and made trustworthy. Such remarkable giving does not come without a price. Indeed, it costs dearly. 
The betrayal of God, the willful sin against the Creator, the rebellion of the creation means the betrayal of the Son, the rejection of the Savior, the crucifixion of the Lord. Something has to be done about your breaking of trust. Jesus does it. He takes the penalty. He pays the price. The shame, the emptiness, the suffering are his. The forgiveness, the freedom, the joy are yours. He dies and gives up the Spirit. The Spirit breathes into you, and you live a new creation. When trust has been broken, an image makeover will never do. What you need then is a completely new you, and in Jesus, that's what you get. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. So we don't need to give Judas an image makeover. And we don't need to find an explanation that makes sense out of his treachery and betrayal. No, it's actually better the way that it is. It's better that the gospel writers offer no easy explanation. It's better that it makes no sense. It's better that the story of Judas rocks us and frightens us so that we take seriously the sad reality of our own illogical and devastating betrayals. Explanations and understanding don't restore broken trust. Only the incredible forgiveness of Christ will bring trust back. Only the new reality of God's new creation can overcome and conquer the reality of our broken trust. And it does. For you, it does. Christ, you are restored. In Christ, you are trustworthy again. Amen. Lord God, help us to trust in you with our lives and delight in the grace you give to us to make us trustworthy people with a new identity. We pray in Christ. Amen.